video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello, you watch. my name's Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hanson! And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, Pandemic Edition! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Pandemic 2.0. It's been a pandemic for the last ooh, seven, eight months, I think? It has been, but you know, it's felt like kind of normal the last like couple months, which is not the right response. I know, and that's bad because everybody just thinks things are normal and are just going about their daily business. And now, you know, the cases are higher than they've ever been. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wear the mask over your nose, people. Yes, please, please. Um, So I don't know. We're still kind of doing things the same way. We're kind of limiting people a little more. We don't really want to have to like go back to curbside pickups or anything like that. But the cases keep going up and we're like, you know, in the thousands next week or something because it's at about like 700 between six and 700 at this time of recording per day Uh, in our province per day of new cases. Yeah. Uh, it's not so good. It's not so good. But, and mostly uh, in Toronto, too. Yeah, that's the thing. So it's definitely a little bit stressful and anxiety-inducing working at the store. But, you know, we're still here. You're still receiving DVDs and Blu-rays. Sell our wares. We're still receiving a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays. And that's what we're here to talk. And for the most part, most of our customers are great. They understand it. We're still doing things really safe. Nobody's gotten sick here. We're taking precautions. But just... Please, you know, make our lives Most of the customers just, are know, good, except for you, person listening. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. Just put that mask on Please. Your nose. Just put it up. You're in the store for up. like 10 to 30 minutes. For just... like 10 minutes. I have to have it over my nose for like eight hours straight. So like, think about how annoying that is. All right. But we got Blu-rays to bring smiles to your faces. Like we do. Uh, in the cult section, we have, and God said to Cain, what? This movie's finally what? coming to Blu-ray? <laughs> How about that? New, brand new restoration and everything. Oh, I gotta slow you there, down, uh, uh, Mark. Sorry, I'm no, sorry. this yeah, is yeah, one yeah. of those okay, forget I gold said ninja video releases, which means that it's not a restoration, but it's as good as its distributor could find. It's actually pretty good, considering this is one that, if you look online, there's like 30 YouTube rips, and they all look not very good. This one is in the correct aspect ratio. This is a classic Klaus Kinski um, gothic horror western film directed by Antonio Margaretti the guy who did probably most famously Cannibal Apocalypse, the one with John Saxon in the city. Right, which just came out earlier this year from Kino. Mm-hmm. And this Blu-ray I hear is packed with special uh, features. That's what I hear. <laughs> okay, for people who don't know, this is a company is that nice. I run. <laughs> this is a Blu-ray. Yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> I wanted to get to this right off the top because these releases, you know, we started carrying your Gold Ninja line. They've been doing great. And, you know, I'm really excited to have this new one on our shelves this week. And you know what? This is probably been the biggest hit so far maybe like right off the top not that anybody knew this was coming out because i guess a lot of our customers don't follow your web presence which they should but as soon as people saw this they pulled it off the shelf and they're like i love klaus kinski i love this western i'm gonna pick this up no one has returned it yet and be like this is not remastered nobody's returned it no there were a couple people that were really excited about it and they're like wow i you know i haven't seen this in forever it's on blu-ray it's really cheap and everything and i'm like you know what? It's not remastered or anything. The guy, I know the guy who does them. <laughs> he's puts a lot of effort into these. They makes really good additions, but he does he's not taking it from the negative or anything. So, you know, it's the best he could find. But you know what? They were all really cool with that. And you know, I think it's just your price point on them really. Yeah, helps. it's 100% the price point. Where it's like 12.95. Okay, I could do this cuz I buy like a cheesy flicks DVD at like 19.95 and it looks like shit. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> exactly. But you put on extras, you know, you you put the film in, like we talked about before, you put a lot of context behind the film so people know what they're getting into. Oh yeah, this one's a fun one because there's liner notes where I go through Antonio Margheriti's career, who's a filmmaker that people don't usually talk about, and I talk about what it means to be like a prolific genre director. Uh, there's a bonus feature, which is, I always get the title wrong, I think it's The Moment to Kill, and it's a really fun gothic horror um, spaghetti Actually, maybe not horror. It's kind of got like lots of cobwebs and abandoned towns, but it's about like this duo uh, who are kind of detectives. It almost plays like a giallo mystery and with a body count that goes into the hundreds. Like they kill so many oh, people nice. in this movie with a <laughs> smile on their face. And like all Gold Ninja video releases for people that don't know, there's actually hidden bonus, one bonus feature on the disc. Play around on the menu. You'll find it. There's introductions. This one has a like 20 plus minute featurette where me and uh, my co-host Will Sloan on the Important Cinema Club talk about Klaskinski's career and pick uh, a bunch of movies that weren't Werner Herzog ones to talk about like what are the performances you should check out and oh yeah I also did a featurette on spaghetti or actually just western horror movies so look at all this stuff with a price point at Patreon Video yeah. of twelve ninety five. I love that you do Easter eggs on these things too, because that was like hands down my favorite like DVD thing back in the day when they used to put little hidden Easter eggs on. DVD I mean, people menus. are always shocked that these are not little hidden things; they're like full feature films. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm gonna be honest, I sweat about finding the best version of those as well. Being like, ah, is this. Like this disc, I had a long conversation about which version of the movie that I should use from like different sources. But I won't say what the title of it is. It's considered oh, one nice. of the weirdest spaghetti westerns. So check out And God Set the Can if you haven't picked it up. And like all your releases, this is limited, right? Like you're only making a certain yes. number? 300 copies. Yeah, That's we what have it's limited a bunch to. The store, but once they're gone, they might be gone for yep. good. And I mean, a lot of the releases like Kung Fu Zombie, Wolf Devil Woman, The Dragon Lives Again. Mm -hmm. Those are all sold out. Death Warrior is down to like 20 copies, I think. So yeah, we still have a couple Kung Fu zombies, I believe, here. So if anybody wants to get their hands on come it, come on down to Bay Street Video <laughs> and wear a mask, please. <laughs> please, please, please. Uh, speaking of weird westerns, the Alejandro Jodorowsky collection has come out from Abco, aka Aero Video, or is it? Yeah, this was a weird one. So, I mean, Abco is kind of just known as Jodorowsky's company. They put out the previous Blu-ray releases of El Topo and um, The Holy Mountain, as well as his more recent films like Dance of Reality, Endless Poetry. Um, but yeah, so this set was listed from Abco. We brought it in, and then we got it here, and it looked exactly like an Arrow Video set. And then you look at the back, and there's Arrow Video's logo. So... I'm not sure. I guess Arrow has something to do with this. Um, it's kind of like barcoded different than their usual stuff. So I guess they're not taking the full responsibility for this one. Uh, but regardless, this is a beautiful set if you're a Jodorowsky fan. Even if you've already bought El Topo and The Holy Mountain on Blu-ray, those two films are brand new 4K restorations, um, as well as Blu-rays of uh, Fando E. Lee, which is the first time that's been on Blu-ray, and his new film, a documentary called Psycho Magic, A Healing Art, which hasn't been available at all before now. And then tons of extras beautiful set it's like a really nice solid brick of content you get posters in it you get postcards in it there's a lot of cool stuff people love postcards they and do, i don't yeah. I, it's a little weird to me what am i gonna do with this <laughs> i don't know you know you're gonna send it out to your friends you know? uh, this is coming from someone who with the new release of gold ninja video i made trading cards <laughs> 
Oh, I know. And that is going to be... So, uh, we also have the Vincent Price Collection Volume 1. Whoa, 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 from Shout Factory. I thought this was out of print. (laughs) It was, and now it's back. So, I don't know. I guess they had lost the rights to this for a little while. And volume... I mean, they initially released three volumes of these Vincent Price sets, and both one and two went out of print. Uh, Two is still out of print, so I'm not sure if they're planning a re-release on that. Uh, But this was the most popular one uh, initially because it has, like, probably the most famous Vincent Price films on it, uh, including, like, Witchfinder General, Mask of the Red Death, uh, and three or four more. I should Uh, pick it up now that you're saying it. I didn't pick them up at the time because I had no money, but uh, I I would always look at them and be like, oh, yeah, that would be good. I know. (laughs) And it's selling like crazy since we got it back in, so clearly there's still a demand for this. And then they've also put out one of the titles on this set, The Mask of the Red Death, in a separate, just single Blu-ray-only edition, uh, which has also been doing well. I guess I'm not sure why they just decided to put the one out, but... Uh, uh, we also have from Mondo Macabro, The Lady Kills and Pervertissima. These are movies I had never heard about before, and you finally got it in store! <laughs> it's been on my list of, like, uh, when this shows up, make sure to grab it. <laughs> yeah, this came out probably about a month ago now, and Mondo Macabro, they're shipping fulfillment just is a little delayed sometimes uh but it did come out was supposed to come out the same day as shinya sukamoto's gemini which mondo macabro put out last month but for some reason we got the one and this one took a little longer so yeah i read about these movies people say they're really weird and fun so i'm excited to check them out uh, we also have she should have said no the devil's sleep forbidden fruit volume six uh we've already talked about these <laughs> over and over again these are like the mental hygiene films something weird and kino are putting them out yeah. listen they're all gonna be in a box set once this is done like you gotta know that yeah you know that's what i'm thinking it's like those pink panther releases right uh i don't know these are kind of fun i mean i actually watched uh one of these recently cocaine fiends a few weeks ago which was a lot of fun but it does kind of get, you know, boring in the middle. It kind of sags, and then it's like, yeah, yeah, this is just kind of a cheap uh, scare flick. And we have another one that I'm sure is flying off the shelves. Media Blaster Zerum 2! <laughs> Not Zerum 1! Yes, flying Because right Media Blasters never own yeah. the rights to that. Only Zerum 2. Is Media Blasters like... Is this like death rattles? Because they've been putting out a new release every week after being absent for years. I have no idea because they do have another one coming out soon. They're putting out Zebra Man in a few weeks. On Again, Blu-ray. these are like musty yeah. old catalog titles right? that they've had forever. Obviously, they lost the rights to My Beloved Versus because that's being put out by Arrow Video. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think anything good they had has been snapped up by somebody else. Otherwise, they're not really putting a lot of effort into these releases. It just seems like they're Blu-ray upgrades, and that's it. I love Zerum. Zerum 2? I don't know about that. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, I was looking at the back of the uh, Blu-ray, and I think there may be a new special feature that wasn't included on the DVD. But I forgot about it until I'm talking about it now, and I didn't get a chance to check (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't even look at it. I'm just like, ah, Zerum 2. Just put it on the shelf. (laughs) One one person's bought it, so it's just hilarious. Media Blasters is doing new scans, because I saw somebody make a post that they're actually releasing a lost Roberta Finley film. Oh, that's uh, cool. I don't remember what it's called. And they're also doing a remaster of another, uh, The Oracle, which is one they've released previously, like as a Joe Bob Briggs collection. So somebody there, maybe it's not Death Rattles. Maybe it's like a second life where they're like, all right, we're going to do these titles. 
And as we go down the line, like we'll release new acquisitions. I'm sure their budget is nothing. <laughs> well, I guess they did put out that Roberta Finley film, Tenement, like not too That was way back ago. though. And remember it was like $45. No, I thought we had it for a fairly cheaper here. No, no. Okay. Then I, then I'm wrong. No, it was My very expensive when I, I remember seeing it on the shelf. You know what, uh, listeners? No, uh, Mark is probably right, right yeah. but I remember I would have bought it if well, it was these cheap. These new ones though. are fairly cheap. I mean, they're about like twenty-five bucks or so. Yeah, which is I think twenty-five bucks is like yeah. the average of a Blu-ray at this point in time. I think that like when you're looking at Arrow twenty-eight ninety-five, that's where Screen Factory hovers around as well as twenty-eight ninety. Yeah, Canadian Arrow's I a little say. more in the thirties these days, like high thirty or early, you know, thirty-three around. Special there. editions are usually about thirty-two ninety-five where it's like two discs vinegar syndrome seemed to all be 32.95 these days yeah vinegar syndrome jacked their prices on us for some do you think reason. people like do they get angry and they're like i'm not buying these anymore when like it goes up a couple bucks or they not even notice like not i do really we thought yeah we thought people would care about that but we've had some of our prices raised a little more recently on like criterions or kinos just because of I don't know. They say it's be our suppliers say because it's like the dollar exchange rate and everything. And we were worried people were going to notice and just like stop buying these things. But honestly, it hasn't really. All right. Go Ninja videos going up to thirty (laughs) dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, we have a Rob Zombie triple feature House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. You know, I'm going to be honest. I like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker. I don't really like his movies, except for Halloween 2. And parts of Lords of Salem. Okay. I would totally agree with you. I like him as a person a lot. I think he's a lot of fun. I was a big fan of him as a musician when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> you were? Yeah. Dragula. Uh, Dragula was a big deal. Uh, but no, I liked I liked White Zombie back in the day. Not, not so much anymore. Um, and his movies, I just like the energy he has behind his movies and his ideas for his movies. But yeah, I don't like any of these films on this set. I do like Lords of Salem, though. That's probably the one. Uh, really what about like. Halloween 2? Have you watched that one recently? That one's really fun. I've actually never seen Halloween 2. I've seen his first Halloween. I feel like we've had this conversation yeah. before. And I was like, you gotta watch it. Because it's like it's like a FU. Like, uh, Weird Al shows up in it. What? And like, yeah, he's being interviewed on a Chris Hardwick talk show with the uh, Malcolm McDowell character. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, you know what? I actually did didn't mind his first Halloween. I thought it was like fairly entertaining when I saw it when it came out. Yeah, I don't really think about it that much, but I did hear a lot. You know, a lot of friends of mine went to see the second one when it came out, and they all really enjoyed it. And I just kind of never caught up with it, so I would go. It's back like to shot that. on Super Sixteen. Uh, it's it's about PTSD of like the survivor of the first film, like being a jerk because she can't live with it. And it's mostly Michael Myers, like, wandering, like, through countrysides yeah. <laughs> for most of the movie. See, I can get behind that. I can really get behind uh, that. So this f- has all the special features except for one important one. Actually, two. Oh, no, just one important one. It doesn't have the three-hour Devil's Rejects making of, which is amazing oh, and has only okay. ever existed on the two-disc right. DVD. Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you already own these films on dvd or blu-ray mm, there's no, no, no this reason is to just pick like them up. a cheaper yeah. pack of all three of them but yeah if you just want all three of them and for a pretty reasonable price yeah pick this up it's pretty nice sleek set. yeah it's, it's like 20 bucks or something i always lowball and mark's like no it's not that price <laughs> it's, it's more than that yeah, it's like 20 i think it's like 25 or so but i mean when three three from hell came out last year and was like a was like 
almost the same price. Yeah, so I mean, uh, we also have a very special cult release, The Legend of Bogey Creek. Hasn't this been released a million times by companies like Gold Ninja Video who pick up these public domain films and just put them out in the world? <laughs> <laughs> and cheesy flicks, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Cheesy Flicks tried putting this out a number of different times. and Didn't try. Failed. They did put they it did, out right? a number of different times, yeah. This is here. So here's the story behind this. This is a really special release because I don't think any other stores really have this. So the story behind this is obviously The Legend of Boggy Creek is the probably the I most. I always say bogey. I know it's boggy. And I always, no, it's boggy. You're right. It's boggy. Boggy. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So this is like obviously the most, probably the most legendary Bigfoot movie of all time. It was a massive hit when it came out and it like kind of like triggered Bigfoot fever. It was a Blair Witch of its time. Exactly. It was directed by Charles B. Pierce, who made uh, The Town of the Dreaded Sundown, which is also an excellent film. And so I guess, I guess maybe the rights were just owned by his estate because this release is put out by, I'm not sure if it's his daughter or not. It's Pamela Pierce, I believe is her name. And she has just self-released this. So she hooked up with, she got the original film. She hooked up with George Eastman House, did a brand new 4K, yeah, brand new 4K restoration. Seriously, this thing looks like never better on this new, on this new release. And she just started self-releasing it on like an official Legend of Boggy Creek website where you can also buy t-shirts of like the Bigfoot on it and everything. Um... (laughs) So you can buy this direct from her on this site, but if you're in Canada, it's pretty pricey. It comes out to like over $60 Canadian after like shipping and everything. Ooh, it's tough. Yeah, because it's like 30 bucks American and then you factor in the shipping. Yeah, we did all the calculations here. It's a lot. So I just contacted her through the Boggy Creek Instagram page and she was like over the moon. She was like really happy that we wanted to carry it down to send it to us and so we've got it here we got it at a bit of a discounted price so we have it on our shelves and it's a lot cheaper than buying it direct although i would highly recommend going to buy some boggy creek merch from her if you if you like the film but it's just really nice to have this film available in a really high quality edition for once because i grew up loving this film i don't i saw like a digital file of it way back when it was actually in pretty good shape but i don't know where it came from but i've never actually like been able to watch it on a dvd or blu-ray or anything and there there are no extras on this disc or anything which is the one thing that's a little disappointing because i would love to know a ton more about the making of this film but just to have like a pristine or even about like bigfoot fever there's so much to talk about this there's so much to talk about but i think because it was really just like a labor of love from one person doing this and i don't know if she necessarily had all the connections to pull off a bunch of special features or and she did she did say that it cost her a lot to even like put this out and get the scan and the restoration oh i know because if she put these blu-rays out she must have and they're pressed she must have done more than a thousand which is like oh Oh, exactly (laughs) No, she said it cost a ton because I know there were some people complaining, I think, on social media about the price. And her response was like, I'm sorry, like that's it just cost a ton. Like she needs to make some money back on it. So it's just really like we put this thing on at the store and it like it just looks so pristine. It looks like it was shot yesterday. So I would highly recommend they've been selling well. We're almost da- we're almost sold out at this point, but we'll be getting more in. We'll definitely get another shipment of them since they've been proving to be popular. And 
Foggy Creek's just the best, you know? If it def- And it definitely did set the stage for things like the Blair Witch Project and other found footage movies And like it's that. not like The Legend of Boggy Creek 2, The Adventure Continues, which is completely different. People know that one because it played on MST3K Yeah, a lot. no, no, this is a legit good movie. I mean, it's got some camp aspects because it's like a faux documentary where he's, they're, like, interviewing a bunch of, like, hillbilly folks in Arkansas. I think it's Arkansas about... This uh, the legendary Fook monster, as they call it. And a lot of the the interviewees are pretty funny and like campy in that 70s way. But like this is a really effective faux horror documentary that just never really hasn't really gotten a proper release. I always thought a company like a Shout Factory or an Arrow or somebody would put this out. But I guess, you know, I'm kind of glad that it's just out there in this, like, labor uh, of love, If only a uh, company would take the other big Bigfoot movie, Creature from Black Lake, and, you know, maybe not get a new transfer, but treat it with respect. If only a company would do that. <laughs> GoldNinjaVideo.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look out for that on the base Coming video soon. Uh, so, as far as classics go, we got Full Metal Jacket, which is being released in UHD. Yeah, it's a good movie. People like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Warner Brothers is just filtering through the Stanley Kubrick stuff on UHD Wait, right Wait, is now. it full screen the way that Kubrick intended? Like those DVDs you know that came out? Uh, I'm gonna, I didn't check, but I guess probably no. not. <laughs> I think that like think... decree was near the end of his life when he assumed all TVs would be square. So that's why yeah. he wanted them to be I like that. I liked that though. Yeah, I like. I had that original DVD set, and I, at first I was like really incensed because I was all like, "No, it has to be in widescreen." But then I watched them all, and I'm like, you know, it kind of looks good in that big like full screen ratio. Like I remember watching The Shining and Full Metal Jacket like that, and actually thinking they looked pretty nice. We like also that. got Whiplash. Man, do people talk about Whiplash anymore? No, like this is a kind of, I mean, they're just releasing everything on Ultra HD right now, so I guess this, <laughs> what do you I got? Guess this is an <laughs> easy choice since, you know, Damien Chazelle is a big filmmaker. I mean, I really liked Whiplash when it came out. Yeah, I liked it too. Even though I think people misunderstand the ending, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think so too. <laughs> the Miles Teller character loses in this scenario. <laughs> It is not yeah, a victory. Definitely. Uh, so moving on, we also have Christ Stopped at, I'm going to say this wrong, Eboli, directed by Francesco Rossi. Take us away, Mark. Yeah, well, this is a famous Italian film. Uh, it's kind of been unavailable for a long time or only available in like shoddy transfers. I'm actually, I don't know much about Francesco Rossi. I know he's a big deal in Italian cinema, but never maybe gets the respect that like an Antonioni gets or somebody like that. I know. (laughs) Antonioni! Who will be appearing in this list in a few titles. We also have uh, The Big Parade being put out by Warner Archive. I've seen this one, the classic World War I silent film directed by King Vidor. Just visually opulent and like imaginative and all over the place. Very inspired by Russian cinema and its editing techniques. But he uh, loves to move that camera. And yeah, this is a great one if you haven't seen it. It's not the dusty relic that you'd be like, 1925? Uh, yeah. I mean, not to say that people when they see 1925 think of Dusty Relic, but... Yeah, let's be honest. Most people do, right? A lot of people do. Yeah. This has always been popular, though. It was out on Blu-ray previously as, like, one of those, It was one like, of those media books. books. It was one of those media books, yeah, which was very popular, and then that went out of print, so it's kind of like a Warner Archive repress, but I think it has all the same stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Speaking of media books, I, uh, there's some breaking news that we need to talk about, <laughs> because... Oh, there is, yeah. A few episodes ago, I went on a rant about, I think... 
are they called hard boxes? I think is the correct term. Hard boxes, yeah. And uh, which is a big German thing. They look like VHS, and that's what they package their Blu-rays and DVDs in for like collector series. They look awesome, way better than steel books. And then last week, Vinegar Syndrome announces that their release of Beastmaster, which I feel based video is probably not going to get. <laughs> yeah, pro- well, probably not in the hard box. That's for sure. <laughs> it's coming out in a hard box, and I was like, "Yep." Nostradamus Justin hits again. I Vinegar know. Syndrome, are it's you like, listening to like this podcast right? and you're like trying to steal him the ideas? <laughs> is is every Blu-ray company listening to this podcast and taking cues from it? Oh, like Kino, Arrow. Are we the secret like go-to for like what's next in Blu-ray for these companies? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we're we're probably like much discussed in the offices at Kino and you know Vander Yeah, like Syndrome. what will Justin and Mark like? They're on to us. We gotta close <laughs> yeah, let's, up. We better listen to their new episode to see what direction we should take our company <laughs> in. I uh last months I sent out a mailing thing for Gold Ninja Video and the only thing that bounced back was like a I'm on vacation was I kid you not from Aero Video. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked, I was like, has this person ordered anything? They haven't ordered anything. No. So, yeah. Of course not. I do know that the guy that works at Eureka has ordered multiple titles from Gold Ninja Video. Like the guy oh, who's in charge nice. of their Asian line. Yeah. But hire me, please. I that's know. why like, I'm doing this. Hire... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're open here for like opportunities, people. That's what we're here for. Can you imagine me and Mark just doing commentary on the legend of Boggy Creek? Oh man, yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah, and we'll, we'll do it for free, guys. At first, we can dream, and then yeah, you pay us. I don't need. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it for free for like two or three, and then I want the big. The I want big the big bucks. bucks. I've asked, like, I knew somebody who worked at Aero Video, and I would ask her, like, "Well, how much do you pay people to do commentary?" She's like, "Oh, you know, it depends." She didn't want to give me any answers. No, I know, right? I think they try and get as much for free as they possibly can. Oh, 100% you know? for free. But there's some people like um, Kat Ellinger who, like, does it regularly. There's no way she does it for free every time. Yeah, no, I'm sure people have made, like, a cottage industry of it. I mean, even look at, like, Alex Cox with Kino doing all those, like, commentaries and v- featurettes and there's stuff. There's a commentary of mine on Behind the Mask, and I can tell you how much I got paid for you. Zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't even get a free copy. Uh, I know that. That's I the still worst don't own it. About it. That's the most <laughs> shameful thing about it. Is you don't even get. Free I feel like I just fall through the cracks. Like if I had been someone that, when I remember when I did the extras for the Incubus. Yes, I've appeared on multiple gift vinegars. Yes, I don't think you have. Um, they did give me a free copy for that one. Yeah. So moving on, we also have uh, Spawn of the North. Okay, we're getting into the Kino catalog yeah, title Kino territory. Here. Yeah. So you stop me <laughs> if you've seen any time. of these. Yeah, uh, I have not seen any of these, so we can go through these quickly. Spawn of the Norse, directed by Henry Hathaway. Two Alaskan salmon fishermen find their friendship at risk when one aligns with Russian fish pirates and the other's line with local vigilantes. That sounds wild. Great, yeah, yeah, I know, for the 30s, sure. Henry Hathaway, I keep saying, he's the director that you always see his name, but people never talk about his movies. So we also have Disputed Passage, directed by Frank Borzage. Another great director people don't actually mention that much anymore. A doctor's medical studies are threatened by his infatuation with a Chinese girl. The girl returns to China, but complications arise when she runs into him in Nanking during a Japanese bombing raid. Well, first uh, thing that I think of when I see that um, synopsis is, does someone wear yellow face? 
Of course they do. Dorsey Lemieux is the star of this film, and she is not uh, Japanese. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, yeah. Ah, the 30s, eh? So we also have uh, The Art of Love, 1965, directed by Norman Jewison, Canada's own. Still kicking, even though I don't think he's been anywhere public in a long time. No, I, I don't know what he... He doesn't make movies anymore, right? Like, no, The Hurricane, I believe, like, was his last uh, movie, and that was no, in no, the... No, no, no. I think it was The Statement, actually, with Michael Caine, which was like the first Canadian movie he made in like his whole career. When did he make that? <laughs> uh, 2003 or four, something like that. Michael Caine plays a like a some sort of either he was like a World War II spy or something who's like in hiding now. Tilda Swinton's in it too. I remember seeing it when it came out and it was just like kind of boring, but that was the last thing he made. I mean, Norman Jewison went to Hollywood and had a full and varied career, which he could definitely not have done if he stayed no, in Canada. not at all. Because people in charge, they suck at giving people opportunities to continue making movies. That they do. But they can talk about, oh, he's Canadian, even though that they haven't, he hasn't worked there in Canada for like 98% of his career. I know. His name's on the Canadian Film Center, but he like never really made anything in So Canada. we also have uh, Never Steal Anything Small. We didn't even talk about The Art of Love. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, James Garner, Elkie Summers, and Angie Dickinson. It's a crazy comedy. Great cast, yep. yeah. Uh, Never Steal Anything Small, directed by Charles Lederer. It's a 1959 musical starring James Cagney as an unscrupulous <laughs> longshoreman. <laughs> okay. It always makes me laugh thinking of James Cagney singing and dancing, even though I know Who will resort to every trick in the book to win his union's presidency. Because <laughs> you know how corrupt unions are, right, guys? On the waterfront, the real villain, yeah. unions. Oh, those union musicals, eh? Not that on the waterfront, which is a great movie, was made because uh, Elia Kazan was angry that everybody was angry at him because he named names during the McCarthy hearings. No, that has nothing to do with that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Elia <laughs> Kazan, a real piece of shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, great movies, though. Damn yeah, him. great filmmaker. <laughs> we got Lord Love a Duck. Woo, that's one um, sentence away from being a swear. And this one <laughs> yeah. stars... <laughs> It's probably a pun, right? Like, that's what it they're is, going for. Right? I don't know. People really like this movie, though. Yeah. This I mean, who doesn't love Roddy well. McDowell? Another person who named names when the FBI cracked down on him when they were trying to shut down people who owned 35 millimeter prints. Wow. And well, he so named a theme here. <laughs> yeah. He named the names of all the people that he had bought them from. Because back in the day, like, individuals could not own 35 millimeter. This is before VHS when basically everybody owned movies. Right, right. And Roddy McDowell was a big collector, and he gave away his whole collection, and he named names to get out of jail time. What a jerk. Uh, we also have The Raging Moon, which is... Uh, you do the same if you were in his position, Mark. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I forget. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in power, Roddy McDowell. Yeah. The, <laughs> one of the power, great yeah. apes. I, I love Roddy McDowell. <laughs> He is great, yeah. <laughs> we also have The Raging Moon, a.k.a. Long Ago Tomorrow. This one stars Malcolm McDowell, another bad person. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just Keno's getting into the bad people, you know. But who wasn't a bad person in Hollywood at that time? Or now, really? Everyone is. I mean, I mean, uh, to hint at the blind buy that's coming up, everyone's a piece of shit. <laughs> 
Uh, this one is about a man who's paralyzed in a soccer game and confined to a wheelchair in a home, but this doesn't slow his lust for life. Yeah. Well, this is a Brian Forbes film, you know? People like Are him. you a Brian Forbes fan? Are you like great be- like you're like, yeah, step forward wives. I mean, I love the Stepford wives, yeah. And I like uh, I like Seance in a wet afternoon. I think that's good. Oh uh, yeah, he directed that one. You know what's a really good remake of Seance of a Wet Afternoon is Seance? Uh, for- <laughs> what? The Kyoshi Kurosawa seance. Yep, that's, that's really exactly good. what I was yeah. thinking of, seance. Love that's that a great movie. one. Yeah, that one's great. Um, I don't think I've seen any other Brian Forbes films, though, to be honest. So. He's like, you look at his filmography, there's a lot of British ones. There is, Because he's yeah. British. Uh, we also have, oh, this is more my speed. Date with an Angel. <laughs> Why is it my speed? Because it's directed by Tom McLaughlin, the guy who directed the best Friday the 13th movie, Jason Lives. Oh, yeah. I did not know this was the same guy as that, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. This movie's not good. And it killed his, I want to say feature film career, but basically what he did is he became a TV movie director. Okay. I actually have a really fascinating book of interviews with him about his career, which is mostly TV movies, and why he moved into that. Like, he made a TV movie about, like, the DC Snipers, you know, the guys uh, driving around the truck oh, and stuff like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and yeah, Date with an Angel. I, I remember watching it and not liking it. And it bummed me out because Todd McLaughlin is such like an affable personality who obviously loves movies. And it's a shame yeah. we were robbed of a full career because in TV movies, essentially, you get one or two fun moments, but the rest is just like garbage doing the bare minimum yeah. to get it out the door. That sucks because you're right. Jason Lives is like the best Friday the 13th movie. And I guess he would have made this like right after that, too. I wonder yeah. if he just didn't want to make horror movies after that maybe i mean you, you can definitely tell he's like i mean jason lives is so tongue-in-cheek and self-aware so he's like really poking fun at it so yeah maybe he's just not a horror movie i yet. don't really like his first movie one dark night but it's affable and i like its charm it's like that's a movie where nothing happens <laughs> like meg tilly goes to a mausoleum and like some bodies jump out at her <laughs> before the end of the movie it's a movie that famously there's two cuts because the producer came in and, like, added lightning bolts coming out of the eyes of the corpses to, like, spice it up. Amazing. Uh, we also have I Am a Dancer, a documentary from 1975 being put out by Film Movement. It's about dancer Rudolf Nureyev, which I hear is one of Mark's favorites. Definitely. I'm a big Nureyev, <laughs> Nureyev fan. Um, Do you go and see stuff like opera, Mark? No, I don't. I've never seen an I opera. I have never seen an opera performance in Toronto. Yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm not that cultured, sorry. I always I, look, because when you walk downtown, the, like, they're right there in the middle of downtown. It's like big yeah, open windows. And I look at all the rich people. I know, right? And it's like, oh, what a world. <laughs> maybe, who maybe are these I could people? Be part of that. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone who said, I go to opera once a year just, you know, to get my yeah, culture bona fides. And I was like, do you yeah. enjoy it? He's like, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, I have a very rich cousin who goes and sees ballet all the time, and I hear he falls asleep during okay. most of it. I've been to the ballet once. Mm, so. Me too. Bear in the little car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you like the ballet? I did, actually. No, it was actually a really rich experience. I thought it was great. I saw Swan yeah. Lake. Oh, all right. So. Ballet 101. Know, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like the kind of thing I would never yeah, go to but I or think about going to. I know, but it was like a really um, like incredible production. Actually, watching it all. Oh, time. so it was more like you know, the tourist ballet filled with razzle dazzle and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, a my, giant my swan actually... came down. was like shooting fire and shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, my partner is actually the ballet fan, and she had like was going with a friend, and then the friend had to bail at the last second. So that's why I went. What? But Swan Lake. <laughs> 
That's like the one valley everybody sees. I know, but it was really, it was really well done. I mean, this was like, I mean, I guess it's always well done because it's Swan Lake. <laughs> All right, Mark, but... I know now you're in the pocket of big ballet. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this documentary here, it's good. Yeah, this was a big deal at the time because you know Rudolf Nureyev was a huge deal at the time, and I think it's just like him showing off his dance moves. He was the name on right? everyone's lips. He was, though. Wasn't he like <laughs> yep. a huge cross cultural phenomenon at that? Point? I was not alive at that point. Were you? I was alive at that point. No, I was not. No, you weren't. <laughs> I know you weren't. So we also have Caro uh, Diaro, inc- <laughs> aka Dear Diary, <laughs> which is uh, for everyone's favorite Woody Allen of Italy, Nanny Moretti, and the- yeah, Nanny and this Moretti. is his like big movie. You know, he's the um, wait, who made Life Is Beautiful? But for the intelligentsia crowd, yeah. This is, like, his biggest movie. And for some reason, it's, like, never come out here on DVD or Blu-ray. So this is a big deal. Film movement finally acquired the And, yeah, this. if you were of a certain age, I'm sure it was probably, you know, everybody talked about it. But it seems to have dropped completely off the radar in, like, film history books or anything like that. I saw it in a thousand one movies to see before you die. I think it may be still in there. We also have The Passenger, the 1975 Michelangelo Antonioni movie. So this one was a long time. Like people were like, it'll never be released to Blu-ray. Because doesn't Jack Nicholson own the rights or something like that? Well, this actually did come to Blu-ray earlier through Indicator, but it was that UK company Indicator. So So open your wallet and get $75 out. So we did. We've had that release here for the last couple years. And that sold really well because it's like a Criterion-esque package. They've got a lot of stuff on it. Beautiful transfer. This is the first official North American release of this, and it's just a Sony Blu-ray, so there's not a ton of stuff on this or anything, but it's available for a much cheaper price point than the indicator version. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure what the rights situation was. I think I heard that Jack Nicholson uh, did the, have the rights to disc point. has the same commentaries that the DVD had, so it's like a boring one with Nicholson, and I hear a really fun one with the cinematographer of the movie. Come on, if you really want this movie, pick up the Indicator release, because I'm sure it has better special features. The Indicator release is the way to go for this. This is just, you know, for people who don't want to spend the, like, 50 to 60 bucks that the Indicator release costs, which is definitely pricey. <laughs> don't say 50 to 60. Just say 60, because that's, after taxes, that's what it's going to come to. Worth every penny, and The Passenger is a fantastic film. I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. But I really my really uncle love always talks about that final shot. Like anytime you, it's like one of his favorite things. For people that don't know, my uncle is actually a director who works with the NFB a lot. And what? Uh, you didn't know this? I did not know that. Things I'm learning today. Oh yeah, he directed. Um, he directs like really arty. Uh, I don't think he's technically done like a proper narrative feature, but he did a really good documentary called Chasing Shadows about uh, people who like hunt. Uh, eclipses around the world and like like it's their obsessions and it follows like five different families around the world like looking for the perfect spot to do an eclipse he also made a, a movie called The Last Franco-Ontarian which is like narrative footage intercut with interviews with people talking about what it means to be Franco-Ontarian in the world today okay. by then I think it was like the 90s he also I kid you not had a feature film that played at TIFF oh wow like way, way when TIFF was like the festival yeah, of festivals. Yeah, festival of festivals, right. <laughs> yeah, and his film is very experimental. I think, um, yeah, it's very inspired, I feel, by like Marguerite Duras. I don't know why I, 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 I don't know why I mangled that name, Marguerite Duras, because you would say it in French. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and like other kind of like arty filmmakers. It's mostly like two women in a room talking like abstractly. Uh, One like, of them I like that. being 
um, my the woman that he would go on to marry okay. <laughs> and the mother of my cousins. Yeah, I think it's only it's available on his website, but I don't think he ever did English subtitles for it, which is unfortunate. It's French. Uh, I would love to see that. Yeah, I gotta I gotta ring him up, do some Gold Ninja video action. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do a Gold Ninja release. I couldn't for most of his movies because they're owned by the NFB and they're not right, going to budge yeah. with those. So. Yeah, they don't let those go. Oh, I know. Now I'm thinking about. It. I gotta like squeak some wheels and become like the NFB Blu-ray DVD person. Yeah, that would be cool. That is a worthy endeavor. Right I remember there. years ago I thought about it, but I was like, oh, I don't have anything that I could like lean back on or like prove the, to them that I've done this before. But now you do. Now I do. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. there's like a decent chance they might you know respond to you. <laughs> it would cost nothing for me to be like, listen, I just want to do physical media releases of your disc. They'll be pressed on demand. We can do like little booklets, commentaries, which they've done stuff like that. Like they did the um, the short film, Norman McLaren. Yeah. And they did a whole bunch of stuff, but there wasn't like commentaries or anything like that. Yeah. Like you could tell the people making that like kind of understood DVDs. I know. But they, they don't they have were the testing the waters a little bit and then they just stopped. They don't have the obsessive uh, drive that I have. Oh, special edition. No, they need somebody like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Special edition of No One Lives, uh, No One Waves Goodbye. Yeah, that'd be great. There you go. <laughs> I would certainly be interested. Oh, in Drylanders, the first feature film. I would love to do a special edition on that. <laughs> yeah, no, to- there is so much. They're sitting on a gold mine of stuff. <laughs> I would not even approach that. Hey, I make Blu-rays. Would you like me to do them for you? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. If you just send a professional email, I feel like more often than not, you'll get a response. And just be like, it's going to cost you almost nothing to do this, guys. Yeah, exactly. That's that's. I don't even think they would have right to there. sign new deals because they probably own that shit outright. <laughs> like, that's probably the contract that people who make films for the NFB have to do. I'm glad people on the Bay Street Video Podcast could listen to me convince myself to move forward with this. <laughs> I know. This is a very important segue. Uh, so, uh, moving on, we have... I love you to death, Lawrence Kasdan, um, a Kevin Klein movie. You know, Kevin Klein is almost in very few great films, supposedly because he uh, just says no to everything. His nickname is Kevin Decline. Uh, like, what are the great Kevin Klein films? A Fish Called Wanda? Fish Called Wanda. I don't know. Big Chill. <laughs> Big Chill. That movie is a controversial opinion. Not very good. I mean, if I was a baby boomer, I'd probably love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a boomer film. I don't know. Yeah, I can't say I really watched that many Kevin Klein movies growing up, but... I don't know, The January Man? People like that, right? <laughs> Do you like Lawrence Kasdan? Lawrence Kasdan seems like one of those guys that, like, I want to like his movies. I like Silverado, his See, western. I've never seen that. I don't think I've actually seen a ton of Lawrence Kasdan because I've never seen the Big, big Chill. Oh, you have. What a- Dreamcatcher? Dreamcatcher. <laughs> saw that one in theaters. But he too. wrote, like, Empire Strikes Back. He wrote Indiana Jones. Yeah, no, I mean, I know his films. I just, like, I know I've seen Mumford. I've seen some of his, like, lesser, like, more, <laughs> like, later period Yeah, stuff. basically, like, uh, for people who don't know this podcast religiously, Mark's film, like, obsession lasts from, like, 1999 to, like, 2006. Hey, no, I, would, I would say, like, like 93. Three, maybe. Okay, so I, late I, 90s, I though. But I think that's more. where your love lies. That Mumford, Mumford lands yeah. right Mumford in that. Mumford was a movie I just saw when it came out. So I think the thing with Lawrence Kasdan is I was seeing, you know, his stuff that was coming out at that time, like Mumford and like Dreamcatcher. And none of it, none of it really spurred me to be like, oh, I got to check out this Lawrence Kasdan guy. So I just never really 
I don't know, got into his stuff, but I've always been interested in checking out his, like, 80s stuff. I just, you know, never, never and went And now down he's that known road. as the guy who killed the Phil Lord and Chris Miller Han Solo movie. Yes, exactly. So, good on you, Lawrence. <laughs> Moving on, we didn't even talk about the movie, but come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. River Phoenix. Oh, yeah, he did Body Heat, of course. Yeah, Body Heat's he really good. The Accidental Tourist. Okay. Oh, you know what? I've seen Grand Canyon, too. <laughs> oh, that's not very good. I, that one's like, not very good. He either. had seemingly early on this direction of like pulpy kind of like retrofits or neo versions of sing like silverado is kind of like a neo-western body heat like the big leading neo-noir but then he kind of got up his own ass which leads to stuff like the big chill grand canyon where i have to be a serious filmmaker and kind of tamp down all of those things that are actually fun about his filmmaking i know it's sad though because when dreamcatcher came along which is like one of the goofiest Stephen King it is not adaptations good. I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not good, but I mean, I had fun with it at the time. Um, that really kills his career, though. Oh, like, looking just at killed it, now, it dead. Like, he has directed one film since then that, you know, Darling Companion, which I remember was a huge bomb when it came out. So, Speaking of auteurs who burned away any of their goodwill, we got Jeff Canoe, director of Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, the the movie that we're talking about is Troop Beverly Hills. Yeah, which just got announced that they are remaking this film. Is this like a cult classic? Do people have good memories of it playing endlessly on something? Yeah, I think it's one of those like TBS staples, you know, growing up. And this is like an anniversary Blu-ray. I think they're putting it out to try it because they did actually just announce they're remaking it. I mean, I remember, kinda... yeah. Or isn't it like a sequel? Like. Shelley Long is back. I thought it was just like a straight remake, but who knows? I don't know. It's a, it's a weird title to revisit, but I guess there are fans of this movie. I know Jeff Canoe because I watched National Lampoon's Adam and Eve, which is a terrible movie. But what's oh, notable Jesus, about it yeah. is I remember listening to the commentary track. This is decades ago. I picked it up out of the bargain bin at the grocery store that I worked at. And it's a father and son who worked on the movie together and they do the commentary together. So it's Jeff Canoe and his son who wrote it. So there's like a weird dynamic you don't usually hear on this kind of stuff. Unless I guess you're listening to Lawrence Kasdan and his son. I don't know. The other Kasdan <laughs> who Kasdan, was a screenwriter, yeah. not the one who became a director. Oh, not Jay Kasdan. Right, right. I know you didn't see Han Solo, but like his obsession with that movie was like, where did Lando get his cape? Where did um, Harrison Ford get that jacket? <laughs> thrilling so stuff. we also have Dahmer being released by mvd this is the big breakout role of everyone's favorite jeremy renner jeremy renner you know i never saw this film but i always wanted to i, I heard really good things about this at the this time feels like one you would have seen real life serial killer it's your man yeah, Ren. yeah you know i like jeremy renner when he was doing indie stuff like he did i mean i like him in the avengers film but not when he opens no, his mouth talking an anywhere asshole. else. But he did some really interesting indie stuff in the early 2000s, late 90s. And this was one of them. I know the director, David Jacobson, went on to make Down in the Valley, which was a movie with Edward Norton that was pretty good. I remember seeing Not that to be one. confused with the, um, what was the Pulp Fiction ripoff? It's oh, like three, uh, days, three in days in the Valley. Or two, two days, days in the Valley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that James Spader. Two days in the Valley. Um, but yeah, yeah, I always heard good things about this. I always wanted to see this. Um and never did. I mean, it's been out of print for a while. It actually was only ever available on a full screen DVD. So I guess fans of this movie, you know, pick it up. Um, you know what's a great Dahmer movie, though, that's not talked about a lot? The Secret Life, Jeffrey Dahmer. The Secret Life? of Is it directed by Uli Lamel? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you'd think so. That's the type, that's the one that Intervision put out when they first oh, uh, started. Oh, I don't. I didn't pick. Well, I didn't pick that one up. That's. Oh that's just... yeah, that's the Jeff Dahmer movie they made while he was still alive and in prison, <laughs> and right before he got shanked in prison, and it was really controversial at the time because it was like super exploitative and everything. This one, I think, is supposed to be a little more, you know, artsy of a Dahmer, uh, you know, Dahmer And I think movie. the MVD guy killed himself making this movie because I remember they, it had a street date and then there was something wrong with it and they had to do a new transfer. Yeah, they had announced this a while back and then it just kept getting delayed. But here it is. Uh, they got some extras on it. Ugh, I would love to be able to pay for new transfers. What a world that would be. <laughs> I know. What a world. I mean, looking at, um, you know, all the kung fu films that are coming out. Moving on, we have... Ivan XTC, Ivan's Ecstasy, Ivan's Ecstasy. I yeah. get it now Ivan's that I say it out loud. Ivan's Ecstasy. So this is a document, a documentary about everyone's favorite band, In Excess. <laughs> I wish. No, this is the Bernard Rose kind of Dogma 95 film. That's how they kind of sold it at the time. The one about Danny Houston. It's an adaptation of a Toll Story novel that I don't remember the title, but they modernize it. But they modern it up. Yeah. It's the death of Ivan Ilyevich. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's also this week's Blind Buy. Oh, Blind Buy! Blind Buy! Woo! Woo! Sorry. Uh, there was a pause there because I was taking a deep sigh before I started talking about the movie. But before I do that, Mark, did you like this movie? I like to put you on the hot spot right away. That's fine because I would love to talk about this movie. I have been fascinated by bernard is it bernard i think it's bernard rose i'm gonna say he's british if you say it, you're right he's, i'm he's wrong british. not gonna this argue is my british heritage coming up bernard rose bernard rose bernard rose bernard sounds rose. fancier doesn't yeah. it yeah so he was obviously most known for being the director of Candyman and then, great movie great movie and then immortal beloved and he is not famous for immortal beloved but yes he did direct that film as like well. that at the time but then in the early 2000s, he went on this weird digital video kick and he made this trio of films. So this was the first one that was followed by uh, a movie called The Kreutzer Sonata and then one called Two Jacks, which were all, I believe, based on Tolstoy novels, but modern day adaptations of them. And he shot them all on digital video. They all starred Danny Houston, who I guess he is friends with. And they're all kind of like weird contemporary looks at Hollywood filtered through Tolstoy and really scuzzy, like early digital video, like the kind of aesthetic that a lot of filmmakers were playing. So the first one I have is I wish it were scuzzier is that even though it's shot on, you know, digital video, I'm missing that handy cam feel that I love in something like The Celebration. Which is like one of the like big Dogma 95 movies. Of course, of course. That movie looks, I love the celebration. I love Dogma. Celebration, but yeah, it, that movie, I have to admit, it also looks like it's shot by Sam Raimi. That movie is nuts. <laughs> For a film dealing with pedophilia, like, well, you boy. know what? I kind of, I liked the look of Ivan's Ecstasy, though. I, I it was fine. It definitely has, like, he. Like, I mean, the L.A. shots are really nice for, like, digital video. He does capture L.A. really well. And he does have some, like, fly on the wall, like, following people around, jittery cameras. Yeah, stuff. I think that my issue is that usually um, around digital photography around this time, what filmmakers like Danny Boyle, remember he made that one about, like, vacuum salesmen? Yeah, yeah, vacuuming completely nude in Paris. What they would do with digital photography, even 28 Days Later, is push the medium as far as it could go and do things that you couldn't do I guess with, so, like, yeah. celluloid. Like... And I didn't really get the sense of that uh, in this movie. And also the movie dramatically just didn't really do anything for me. And I think I that's really my big issue movie, with it. I, have to say. <laughs> I was really into it. Yeah. I mean, I really liked, you know, if you've seen like The Player or like any of these like Hurly Burly, things like that, you know, you're going to kind of, it feels kind of familiar. 
I just really liked the vibe of this film. It had a really like, it felt like, you know, so basically Ivan is play is in this adaptation. He's like a sleazy Hollywood agent played by Danny Houston, who's on drugs all the time. And you find out right at the beginning that he has died. And basically then it kind of flashes back and you get like the last couple of days of his like drug and drink out of life as he's like chasing clients, one of whom is played pretty humor- humorously by Peter Weller, I thought, is like kind of an asshole actor. Yeah, type. Peter Weller's having fun in this. At one point he like shows somebody guns and like waves them around. Oh man, that, oh, yeah, that first scene where you're introduced to him is, uh, is a laugh riot. It's great. And then, yeah, so you just, you kind of are just put in Danny Houston's character, mind drug-addled mindset for this whole movie. And... Yeah, I, there's definitely a level of pretension to this that comes from, you know, a haughty British director doing, like, a modern-day Tolstoy adaptation with, like, this kind of, like, new school kind of vibe to it. But I don't know. There was just something that really all came together for me. I mean, I will say I was a big fan of the Kreutzer Sonata, which was the film he made after this, which also has a similar vibe. So I'm not sure if you'll dig that one either, if you didn't like this one so much. I don't know. It felt so calculated. Every woman in this is like a harpy shrew that's like picking at everybody, at the, the, the men around the narrative. I guess it just felt like everybody was just like such an asshole in this. Yeah, yeah they're just terrible. And there's like stuff that I'm like, like, all right, I know Bernard Rose is really happy he can do this. Like, at one point, like, a woman disrobes, and then Danny yeah, Houston there's, disrobes. I mean, there's a lot of full frontal nudity from both sexes, so, I mean, there's that. But you could feel Bernard Rose being like, yeah, I'm getting to do this after doing Hollywood movies. I don't know. On one hand, I wish it was, like, a little bit more arch. Okay. Or, because I'm hanging out with these terrible people, like, be more terrible, I guess. I guess so, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this this I don't know. The vibe of this just really works. People for love me. this yeah. movie. So And I mean it's cool that Arrow is putting this out in like a really nice edition. I, it makes me think, are they going they might put out the next two in this? Because there haven't really been any good editions of those. Definitely. Do you know what the difference is between the directors and the producers cut? I don't actually. So I only watched this on like our old DVD rental copy. Um so I actually haven't watched the Arrow edition of this so I'm not sure what it looks like or what cut it is. The cut I watched was like 89 minutes or something like that so I'm not Bernard sure. Rose isn't involved in the Blu-ray at all. So I wonder if there's still like problems with that. He's featured in a Q&A they did a few years ago but the commentary is done by the producer I believe. Okay, so. interesting. I mean, I just really like Bernard Rose, I think. And I like how much more experimental he's got since his Hollywood heyday, I guess. It seems like ever since this period, he's gotten more and more experimental, even up until recently. Like he did a modern day Frankenstein adaptation. I was going to say, did you see ago. his Frankenstein? I didn't see it yet. I, I do. I want to, though, because I'm, I'm really intrigued. I mean, he did make a really crummy horror movie a few years ago called Sex Tape, SX Tape. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> no, Ooh, I did not really see that It's a really bad, one. like, found footage movie. But I still... it. I still like his willingness to experiment with digital video because he still does experiment a lot with digital video. And he just seems like a really cool progressive guy, too. I remember reading an interview with him recently. I can't remember why, but they were asking him a lot about Candyman, obviously, and the remake. And he was like all for it. He was like, oh, I'm so excited to see what new like a new director does with Candyman, like what a new generation does with Candyman. Like, I don't like think my version is like precious or anything like he was just like really cool and down to earth and i wasn't really expecting that he uh, wasn't like stop asking me about candy man where are the immortal beloved questions i know right <laughs> talk to me about immortal beloved i mean i was one of his first like 50 uh twitter friends i remember him uh 
uh, commenting on something that I posted. So. Oh, that's really cool. That is super cool. I like when you have that like direct connection to, to these films. <laughs> no, don't meet your right? heroes, Mark. They'll only know, disappoint they you. They will. They will. But I don't know. Especially me and Mark. Don't meet us. Yes, yeah. We're, we'll we're disappoint you. in real life. Uh, I mean, they can tell just listening to this podcast. But yeah, so you like this movie. I, I like this movie a lot. I, I have a lot of time for like kind of you know pretentious digital video experiments like this especially at that time i really like that like early 2000s period where a lot of directors were experimenting with like crummy digital video oh i love crummy digital video it's my favorite and i don't know this one worked for me i thought he yeah i thought he did a lot with it um but i can see how you you maybe wanted it scuzzier i, I just i like the look of it i like the vibe of it i like the performances a lot i thought danny houston was really great i thought peter weller uh, may- was a lot of fun not necessarily scuzzier i think more like arch and maybe yeah. more stylized no fair enough fair enough especially Candyman is stylized out the wazoo it totally is and there's moments in this that are stylized and then there's moments that are kind of like crummier yeah it, i can see how the it tonally is off here and there but I don't know. But I was really, I was really invested in it more than I maybe thought I might, considering the subject matter. Because you have seen a lot of these kind of stories about like sleazy Hollywood types, um, and I just really got into Danny Houston's character and just following this like drug he's addled asshole. He's such a jerk, though. Yeah, he's like, such an asshole. He is, but like he's gonna die, and it's like. I don't know. I just like that self-destructiveness, I guess. I mean, that's how you live your life. That's why you have on the posters on your wall, it's like Ivan Ecstasy, uh, I Melt With You or I Melt With Me. <laughs> wow. I Melt With yeah, That was a time. That movie. <laughs> that's like the most. You love that one too, right? You have the two disc special I, I definitely was entertained by that movie when it came out. I mean, it's like the most melodramatic midlife crisis movie uh, ever So moving made. on to new stuff. We're running long today. Uh, we got. Oh, damn. Yeah. Let's rapid fire. Rick and Morty season you know, four. Pickle new. Rick. Elon Musk yeah. loves it. Uh, we got uh, Tesla. Yeah, uh, the you love this movie because I saw you review it. I did. I did like this movie. So it's obviously the long-awaited biopic of Nikolai Tesla. <laughs> long-awaited. Nikola, Nikola uh, Tesla, I got sorry. mine. It's called The Current War. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, you already got that. Uh, but here he takes center stage, played by Ethan Hawke. And it's directed by Michael Almereda, who is also a really interesting, like, kind of experimental director who made, like, the... He's probably most known for the light... Uh, the contemporary version of Hamlet with Ethan Hawke, which was probably his biggest movie and was very... Wait, when did that movie come out? 2000, right? Right in my, there like, in that Mark Sweet yeah. spot. <laughs> but he's also known for like weird arty 90s stuff. Like he made Nadia, that weird uh, vamp- black and white vampire Yeah, the vampire movie. one. And he also... The one that's not the Neil Jordan Exactly, one. yeah. And he also yeah. shot... And it's not the addiction either, the Abel Ferrer yeah. one. Mm, great and movie. he also shot a couple movies on Pixel Vision way back in the day. You remember Pixel Vision? Yep, that's one that... Ooh boy, those pretentious art snobs they love pixel vision yeah so i have a dvd of his like pixel vision work which is super snobby but i love every second of it but yeah this movie is definitely he keeps his experimental streak going it's not like your strict straight like boring biopic ethan hawk's great kyle mclaughlin's a lot of fun in it playing thomas edison i would say give it a chance we also have auntie gun from 2019 aka maison which is sophie de raspe's adaptation of the classic greek tragedy of the same name that reimagines the story of a woman's quest for justice as a commentary on the immigrant experience in contemporary Montreal. Did you see this one, Mark? This feels like one that... I know. I should have seen this. I should have done my Canadian duty, but I haven't. This was definitely one of the most talked about Canadian films last year, though. Won a bunch of awards, I think, at TIFF and everything. Where can I hear about Canadian films? As someone that loves Canadian films, like, what... Where is the place? Like I don't know. Yeah. 
and the problem is like this isn't really getting much i mean it won a bunch of awards at tiff last year and i think it you know at the year-end canadian screen awards maybe i don't know i mean when but... i worked at the canadian screen awards i was aware of every movie that was in you know the atmosphere but they never came out and this is only being put out by like a small like you said maison catois the company putting it out they're just like a small quebec company and it's not really like getting much of a oh, wide Oh, is this release. one of those new Quebec DVDs that you're yeah, getting in? Yeah, so we've hooked up with this company, Maison Catois, I'm going to say. Is that right? Catois. Catois. Yeah, Catois. Yeah. Who Catois. is a Quebec exclusive <laughs> company. Yeah, who have a lot of great Quebec titles like this one. They've got other stuff that we're going to be getting in soon. And a lot of these movies, they don't get released much outside of Quebec, even if they play. No, they don't get released at all. Yeah, even if they play big festivals like Cannes sometimes or whatever. So I wonder why. Like, is it just companies don't pick them up? I'm not sure. I really don't. But All like, right, well, with these, uh, they actually put like really nice DVD sets together. They're those like cardboard, like kind of book ones that open, you know, they're nice. They're I mean, nice. maintenant que uh, Bay Street Video va recevoir des films du Québec, on va avoir une section qui va juste être en français, que Marc va pas comprendre du tout. Alors, je vais laisser tous les secrets et les insultes de Marc dans cette section ici. All right, so back, uh, I was just talking about how uh, we're going to have a French section now where I can insult you in that section and yeah. tell all the secrets Perfect. now that you're getting all of the Quebec uh, DVDs. I'm, yeah, I'm just like, uh, <laughs> Hey, what? did you go to French school or something? French immersion or one of those things? Uh, I, I slept through a lot of my French classes. I'm sorry. So you're not one of those Canadians who can, like, understand if someone speaks slow in French? I mean, I, can, I have a basic understanding of French, but not enough to, like, have a conversation with somebody. I am shamefully. I'm a shameful Canadian. Um, we also have Most Wanted coming out. Target number one. It's about an ex-heroin junkie. <laughs> Speaking of Canadian uh, Who gets films. involved in a drug deal with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. Now, I, I'm surprised you didn't see this one because it stars your man, Josh Hartnett. I know, playing a Canadian journalist who is, you know, investi <laughs> investigating, yeah, a guy locked up in Thailand. I don't know. This was like one of those bad looking, you know, big budget Canadian movies that's like trying uh, to be from like... From the director a, of Funky Town. Yeah, it's trying to be like an American movie, you know. Um, Stop doing that! Why do they keep doing I know. it? So like, the I know, original, The original Canadian title is Target Number 1, but this is the Ugh. U.S. release of it because they still haven't released it on disc in Canada, and they've changed the title to the more generic Most Wanted, so it's just confusing for everybody. Uh, we're not going to watch this. We wouldn't recommend anybody listening to watch this. This is one of those, like, funding movies where there's probably an influx of money that has to go somewhere to be able to qualify for the next uh, funding paths. I think this was one of the first movies that opened in theaters in Canada once certain Cineplex locations started <laughs> opening again. This was Canada's tenant. This was Canada's tenant, yeah. So we also have Baby Teeth, which is about a terminally ill teen upset upsets her parents when she falls in love with a small-time drug dealer. Every time I look at the cover for this, I don't know why it keeps popping up, I'm like, is this the is this a Kirsten Dunst movie? Like, Because <laughs> the person on the cover looks exactly like her. It does, yeah. Uh, this is an Australian film that's been racking up a ton of acclaim and awards and everything, so here it is. Check it out. We also have On a Magical Night, which is a Strand release. After 20 years of marriage, Mara decides to leave her husband. She moves into room 202 at the hotel across the street with a bird's eye view of her apartment, her husband, and the life she shared with him. Oh, well, that's... Yeah, this is the new Kristoff uh, Honoré film, who is a big deal in art house circles. He does really, like controversial French films. He directed like Ma Mère with Isabelle Huppert, which is a big hit. Um, Les Cousins yeah. Dangereux. I'm guessing from the title Ma Mère, it's a film about incest. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, how, how did I guess? 
Uh, we also have Let It Snow. This is a Netflix movie, isn't it? Like it premiered on Netflix. No, I think there might be some confusion. With, there's a few movies called Let It Snow that came out recently. This one is from this year. It is a, I think it's a Ukrainian production, but it's in English. It's about a couple of, I believe, American snowboarders who are snowboarding somewhere in Europe and they are pursued by like a masked killer. Kind of gives me some like Amsterdam kind of vibes. I don't know if that's what they're going for. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just like a VOD, new new VOD. What a terrible movie. title. Okay, I'm going to play our terrible title jingle. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> Every time that a terrible <laughs> title shows up. Okay, okay. Because uh, there's some more on here that I'm going to whip it out. Like the next one? <laughs> uh, the Dead Ones. Da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da. There is a million <laughs> movies called The Dead Ones. Stop calling your movies that. You know, on one hand, I can understand the arguments like this is the Dead Ones 2019. <laughs> Big difference. This one is about four outcast teens, summer detention. It's about a school shooting. Yeah, basically. That's which is in vogue right now for indie horror directors, I guess. Uh, this is from Jeremy Caston, right? Who made the Wizard of Gore remake, I believe. And, yeah, we talked about this. Wizard of Gore right, remake. Right, yeah, in the store and, I talked yeah, about yeah. this because I was looking at it and I was like, what yeah. is this? Which I, enjoy, I enjoyed the Wizard of Gore remake, but, uh, you know. No, uh, no, no, you didn't. I remember exactly what you said when I mentioned you said, oof, bad. Like Crispin Glover, yeah, though. I like Crispin Glover. In it, yeah. uh, so we also have Riverdale season four. Sure. Mark still hasn't watched it, even though his partner Ashley loves it. Uh, I, Mark, I, I don't think get into she it. even watches it anymore. I don't think she got this far. Uh... My significant other, Emily, watched it all in two weeks because she had to do a podcast about it. And I was like, I just do it. I'm not keeping up with you when it comes that to this. That is yeah. a lot of Riverdale, yeah. We also have Legends of Tomorrow, which is a DC show, which I hear is the weirdest show that DC does. It's about a bunch of C-listers who love to time travel all over the place. We also have Cream, America's only rock and roll magazine. Oh, boy. Speaking of baby boomers. Yeah, Jesus. This will certainly appeal to that crowd. Uh, we have a documentary, Denise Ho, Becoming the Song. And this actually looks like a really interesting documentary. It's about a canto pop superstar who became an outspoken political ad- activist against mainland China and pro-Hong Kong um, separation and stuff like that. Yeah, it's supposed to be really interesting. It's been getting a lot of great reviews. And she's been re- like doing a lot of great activist work. So yeah, check this out. Yeah, because nobody else in Hong Kong is going to do that activist work because they'll be thrown in a gulag. Uh, where's Bei Ling? Oh, I don't know. She's taking a vacation of some kind. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we also oh, have Jesus. The Mole Agent. Oh, man. Speaking of films that you want to watch with your parents and or grandparents, this documentary, didn't this, this, this like became a hit on the festival circuit? This looks like a lot of fun, actually. I didn't get a chance to check this out, but I've heard nothing but like feel good raves. Yeah, about it's this. when a family becomes concerned about their mother's well-being in a retirement home. A private investigator uh, is hired, and he's an 83-year-old man who becomes a new resident and a mole inside the home who struggles his, uh, to balance his assignment, was becoming increasingly involved in the lives of several residents. How does this work as a documentary, though? <laughs> like, who is following them around, filming them? That's what I want to know, yeah. I don't know how... They must do it... They must have some clever way of doing it, unless it's all just, like, completely set up and fake. Here's the problem. I, I mean, I haven't seen the documentary. I hope it's a uh, condemnation about the horrible state that all senior homes have. That, that's what I read. When I was reading about it, that's kind of the vibe I think it's supposed to try to We also for. have a tramway in Jerusalem. This is a fictional film. It's a 
situational comedy that juxtaposes stories and human situations in the context of the current Israeli-Palestinian society in 2018. Yeah, this is the new Amos Gite film, who is probably one of his, Israel's most famous filmmakers at this point. He's been making films since, like, the 70s. Um, he kind of, he turns them out, too. He makes, like, one a year. And this has a huge cast of a bunch of, like, famous European actors in it, like Matthew Almaric is in it, um, tons of people. And it's just one of these films where it's, like, a bunch of people from a bunch of backgrounds on a train, and they all interact. Uh, I looked at Letterboxd. It seems uh, people who are very passionate about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict went and gave it star ratings, so don't trust those ratings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of his work deals with that. Uh, so. And we also have Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs. Did you check this one out? It's your new favorite genre, Korean CGI <laughs> I know, animation. Right? I did not. But this was actually, the, I totally forgot that this was the film that had like kind of a controversy around it when it was at the uh, at the Cannes Marketplace like a few years ago. Where people like, I expected a Zalman King movie with boobs in this, it. this though, when they had the poster up at like the Cannes Market and it, it's like a fat Snow White and a skinny Snow White and it was like where i shouldn't say fat that's fat it's like an overweight snow white and a skinny snow white and they're like what if snow white wasn't like fat and like lame or something it was like had a really offside tagline and a lot and it blew up on social media everybody's like f this movie and chloe grace moretz who does the voice the lead voice for this american version had to like take all this heat about it basically and the producers had to like take down the ad campaign they were like oh we're really sorry we didn't mean to fat shame anybody even though we were like clearly fat shaming people or even this. overweight uh, what is the correct terminology for that uh, i'm not sure yeah uh yeah no i apologize that uh, was not the right terminology to use um one slant yeah so they say one slender and tall and the other heavier and shorter Bit of trivia about Red Shoes and the Seven Listen, the Dwarfs. only people who are going to see this are parents who just pick something random on Netflix and show it to their kids because of that. <laughs> we sold one. Maybe there's just like animation people who just buy whatever animation comes out. And we also have The Secret, Dare to Dream. This is the new opus from auteur Andy Tennant, the director of Hitch, Sweet Home Alabama, The Bounty Hunters. What a crazy hack resume. I know. And what a crazy film this is. So it's based on The Secret. like the uh, Isn't The Secret get rid of all your friends who aren't helping you? Yeah, it's basically just power of positive thinking, right? Yeah. Isn't it like that? I don't no, know. I think one of the big things is like cutting out everyone of your, out of your life that it, you that are not you know helping you out anyways so i remember when this was i remember i was working at roger's video at the time and i remember this was like a huge deal when the dvd of the secret came out i mean it was oprah winfrey's pick and whatever now they've made a fictional film starring katie holmes as like a widow who's oh, raising kids and she meets this mysterious man josh lucas who has this radical way of thinking about things so <laughs> josh lucas not josh lucas the poor man's uh oh man he's like the third on the list when it comes to bradley cooper and then under that there's like the guy that kind of looks like bradley cooper and then yeah. josh lucas you know why you know what i'm talking about the guy that kind of looks like bradley cooper i feel like there's so many actors that look like bradley cooper. he plays uh bullies and comedies like uh <laughs> old school or something like that yeah right <laughs> Um, I don't know. I kind of wanted to watch this movie before. But you didn't because you wanted to dare to dream. I did want to dare to dream. And I feel like how could this possibly live up to the magic of just the idea, the thought system that is the secret. And so. you need to make room to watch the last film on this list. Beckman. <laughs> Beckman's here. 
Uh, did you watch Beckman? I did not watch Beckman, uh, but you, I gotta say, it out. feels like there's a lot of Christian movies that are on these lists lately. I mean, we talked about Left Behind a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I feel like I brought it up many times over the last few episodes. Well, you know what? Like I've said before, I don't usually bring Christian movies in here or anything, but with this one, this is just this is just too funny to me. So this is an action movie come that is out now. And it's being kind of just sold as like your everyday action movie, like Universal's putting perhaps this Perhaps inspired out. by John Wick? <laughs> yeah, perhaps just a little bit. Yeah, so this is basically just Christian John Wick. And I, I mean exactly Christian John Wick. There's shots! I was just watching the trailer and I'm like, oh, that's exactly from John Wick. Like, No, it's about like an assassin just like John Wick. So in this one he, you know, he gets shot and he stumbles in the prologue. He stumbles into a church and he's saved at the church. So he, he finds God. He denounces his old ways he becomes like some preacher man and then of course you know this young girl comes in she also needs help and she has a shady past with some gangsters or whatever and she is eventually kidnapped by them kind of like you know the equalizer too i feel like they were going for that as well so of course beckman as he's known to everybody is (laughs) what a terrible name (laughs) yeah he's just beckman all the time he has to, you know, revert to his old ways and, you know, find these baddies who are led by William Baldwin in a hilarious <laughs> villain performance as a cult leader. So he plays. A- if you look at the trailer, there's like he there's scenes of him like surrounded by CGI fire. He's like sitting on a throne at one point. I, I have to admit, I think William Baldwin was my favorite part about this movie. He really made it watchable. Like he is over the top. He is breathing fire in this as this crazy cult leader. It's incredible. I think he's going for like this Manson family type thing because he's got all these acolytes. Anyways, it's wild. Um, but basically in, you know, going back to his own way, old ways to save this girl who he now considers his daughter, even though she's just like some, you know, 20 something girl that came in off the street. He has to go back to his underground system of hitmen and everything, which is exactly like John Wick. It's exactly the same thing. As John Wick, he's got like. Does this movie have action scenes? Because the trailer looked like it oh, did. Oh man, there are there's martial arts in this movie. So I guess the guy who plays Beckman, <laughs> who basically kind of just looks like Chuck Norris. He kind of looks like Chuck Norris, but like a slightly more, less grizzled version of Chuck Norris. He's been making Christian movies. So this is a pure flicks movie for anybody who's wondering. Oh, what a I terrible know. production company! Because right? you know what that entails. Exactly. <laughs> And he's no sex. So he's been making Christian action movies for a while. He produced this movie too. So him and the director of this, and he there's like a little behind the scenes thing on this disc where he's talking about I just love movies like John Wick and The Equalizer and stuff like that's like all the new action movies that have come out recently. And I wanted to make a Christian version of that. Um, I would say this is maybe a little less overtly Christian than some other pure flicks movies but, like so God's Not Dead. He kills people he in this kills movie, right? a lot of people in this movie. This movie is the most violent Christian movie I've ever seen. Because that's great. And I'm sure at the end, like he has his gun on the main villain. He's like, no, I won't kill you. And then the villain like pops up again and he has to kill him. But it's okay because he was defending himself. Well, no, you know the way they play it? Well, spoiler alert for people who want to watch Beckman. So yeah, that exact scenario After he killed like he's gonna 100 kill people, Baldwin. I'm sure. He kills so many people. But then he's like, you know what? I'm not going to kill William Baldwin. William Baldwin's like, you're weak. I knew you couldn't do it. You lost. But then out of the shadows comes another one of these hitmen because when he goes back to his old ways, this is another plot point out of John Wick. There is a hit put on him, like in John Wick, where all these other assassins are now after him because 
I guess it's just trying to be like John Wick. It doesn't really have anything to do with the story. And so one of these assassins that he had had a fight with before, and they kind of came to this like peace agreement, he comes out of the shadows and kills William Baldwin. So, you know. How is that a Christian message, though? Like, you're still involved with that. Like, well, there's a lot of him like praying to God and seeing the light. So there is a lot of that Christian stuff in it. There's a little less of the offensiveness, like with God's Not Dead, where they're like, you're a terrible person if you don't uh, believe in God. Like, I, I wish like William Baldwin was like a leftist socialist or something like that. No, he's just like a crazy cult leader. So it's kind of just like an easy villain. He's just. Yeah, he's, so it's like very inoffensive. Yeah, like he's an atheist, right? Because he's like a cult leader, but he's like super, <laughs> he's super evil. So you're like, okay, well, he's like an evil guy anyway. You Is know, anybody but, like thou, thou shall not kill or anything like that? And he's like, yeah, kill. No, they don't. They're not not that clever unfortunately but there is a great cameo from mr burt young in this too who still is still alive still alive and debasing himself in christian movies right now so Ugh. is he one of the assassins that beckman no he, he's like an old he's like an old friend of beckman that he goes to to like get some supplies or something you know you know how it is for these hitmen who need to like you're selling me on this movie mark I honestly don't, uh... i'm gonna say i had fun with this i mean it's i i really I mean, I don't like to think about the people who watch this and take the Christian messaging seriously because... Or the people who made the movie. (laughs) Or the people who make the movie. I mean, the the behind-the-scenes featurette, it seems like everybody's heart is sort of in the right place as much I'm sure as it's in the be. right place like you don't think it's like exploitative like the gods not dead people who are like for this I really genuinely get the sense that they just wanted to make an action movie like a fun action movie that reflected their values more than like a John Wick would right because the action scenes <laughs> what like, are their values though? well like... I don't know Christ- Christian values basically but you know what the action scenes like the action scenes aren't great, but there's definitely effort put into them. Like, there's more effort put into the action scenes in these. And, like, martial... They definitely have some martial artists in this compared to, like, you know, the latest, like, Bruce Willis movie that comes out or something like that, you know? So there's more... Go- it has more going for it than that. I don't know. If you want a really, like, funny, bad action movie that's, like, a total ripoff of John Wick, I would say... You could do worse than Beckman. I mean, I'm going to be talking uh, positively about Welcome to Sudden Death, the remake of Sudden Death, uh, the Jean-Claude Van Damme film. What? You watched it? I did. I saw saw that one the other night. Well, we'll be talking about that next week. That that is not a movie for you, Mark. It's a movie for people like me. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure. It uh, is. I mean, that one looks like an ABC family sitcom for some reason. Oh yeah. Well, well, we'll definitely. It's definitely on the list for next week, so we can uh, we can get into it then. All right. So until that next week, my name's Justin McClue, and I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Batman. Batman's here. <laughs> These movies and many more are available at your local Back video store. Get them. <laughs>